Hello, and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. And I'm Kira. And we watch movies with no sound, no subtitles, and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoiler, we don't. Okay, so um, what did evil producer Emma have for us this week? Well, today... We watched uh, The Man from Earth, which is a movie where nothing happens. It's a movie where a man is from Earth. I think he's from Earth, yes. And that's about all we were able to decipher. So, uh, who wants to go first? Uh, Okay, if you don't mind, I have a pretty solid through line on this one. Okay, okay, hit me. Okay, so to start off, I named all of the characters because you need to have names for the characters. Absolutely. So um, there was the main character. I called him Ralph because it was like his acting made me want to barf. So Ralph seemed to fit. Um, (laughs) I called the biker dude Antonio. I don't know why that came up, but that seemed to fit pretty well for me. Um, The one person of color in the movie was also, for some unknown reason, wearing a choo-choo hat. So I called him George, because George R.R. Martin also wears a choo-choo hat. A choo-choo hat. I like it. Uh, Antonio came in on his bike with Bernadette. Bernadette just kind of fit as a name for her. And then the other lady was Rachel. And those were the characters they introduced to us first. Yes. We got some more, though. We did get more. Um, It... Seemed like they were basically trying to move someone out of a cabin in the woods. So I was debating whether or not this was going to be like a cabin in the woods situation or like an alien situation, something like that. And then they broke out the liquor and John Billingsley, who was the other character. I forgot to mention John Billingsley. John Billingsley is the guy who played Dr. Fox on Star Trek Enterprise. Yes. So he's just playing himself in this movie. (laughs) Um, so they break out the liquor and John Billingsley is all over that stuff. Let's crack this bad boy open. So at that point, I'm starting to think this has got to be a sex party. (laughs) Like there's no other way. Like instead of horny teenagers in a cabin, it's horny middle-aged adults in a cabin. Oh my God. (laughs) And... Okay, so the the main point of conflict is that Ralph, according to my bad lip reading, is a devout Christian and doesn't want to participate in any same-sex relationships. He's okay with swinging. He's just not okay with the gay. Of course not. Why would you be? So one of the things that I lip read was, but if you're gay, that means I can't go to Chick-fil-A and they have some really good bacon. They're horrible, but at least they have a chicken sandwich. Five times I went dressed as a flapper. For porn. But there's no way I'm doing it now. (laughs) So that's kind of what inspired my read on the film was five times I went dressed as a flapper for porn. Uh, yeah, I mean, that seems entirely legit. So that was something that I think Ralph had said. So, uh, that... That was a fun, weird, bad lip read. Yes. Um, Some of the other highlights were one man, one woman, none of that gay stuff. (laughs) 
This is amazing. Um, my foreskin, my five skin, and so many more. I can't count all of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then at one point, John Billingsley says, maybe we just freebase some chemicals. You hear me? <laughs> I didn't do any lip reading. This is amazing. I should try that. So... The the through line that I had on John Billingsley was he really wanted to do drugs. Uh, Ralph was all about that base. <laughs> preaching Christianity to these heathens who wanted to engage in some sort of pagan orgy. Um, at one point, the older lady who I named Maud says it's shameful to be a woman to Billingsley, according to... Uh, my bad lip reading. I mean, I don't know why they let us vote, first of all. God, voting, owning property, filing for divorce, like... I mean, the goddamn liberals, first of all, uh, are basically ruining society. And having orgies, um, it, it, it's just a shame. All bad decisions, really. <laughs> Okay, so um, we we Emma, if you don't mind editing that part out. Yes, we went off the rails just a little bit. It, when you leave two people alone with their thoughts for an hour and a half, because the movie has literally no action. Yes, Emma, this is your fault. <laughs> like you can't give us a. There's got to be something. It was a character drama. How are we supposed to come up with a plot? Uh, well. Do you want to hear my uh, theory? Yeah, let, let's h hit me with that good, good theory business. Okay, so... <laughs> um, <clears throat> characters. Uh, we had Chuck Burnsides, <laughs> who was the main character. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, we had Soul Patchman. Um, we had... Uh, Discount Emma Watson. Um, we had Old Lady. We had... Oh, who else was there? Oh, Hat Bonerman. Uh, <laughs> we had... Um, the Detective. And then we had... Later on, we had... Um, uh, the guy from Office Space. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about the guy from Office Space. It took me, like, the entire movie to remember that he was the jump-to-conclusions guy. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, where do I know him from? Where do I know him from? And, like, I finally put it together. Yes. Right as, um, spoiler alert, right as he died. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a big spoiler, um, because it's the only thing that happens in this entire goddamn movie. Well, that, that's not completely true. That, okay, yes. Several guns are pulled. Office Space does also pull a gun on them. After... So it's like a triple gun fake out. Yes. Because he pulls a... He pretends to pull a gun, but it's actually his pipe. Right. And he starts smoking the pipe. And he's like, ooh, blah, blah, blah. It's just right, a joke. I, ha -ha. I got you guys good. Learn to take a joke, everyone. And then he comes back and he actually has a revolver. So he's pulled the gun on them after it's so it's a double fake out. Yes. And then it turns out that the gun was unloaded. Yes. So it's a triple gun fake out. 
And like, that's the only point of plot that I actually could follow because it's the only time that there was action other than like severely harsh jump cuts between the characters speaking instead of like any sort of long shot. Yeah. Okay, so I uh, actually took an interesting um, path with this plot. Um, I went fuck party also. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way this movie is not about an attempted fuck party. But uh, here's why they were fuck partying. Back when they were teenagers, they all made some sort of pact. Mm Mm-hmm to, when they were older, gather in a remote location and have a fuck party. I don't know why Truck Burnsides is moving out. Maybe he just is trying to, like, clear the space out, and that's what the moving is for. I don't know. Um, But, first of all, Discount Emma Watson was not part of the original group who made the fuck pact. But... She got dragged along by Soul Patchman. I got that vibe, too. Because, yeah, she's definitely uncomfortable being there, and she's just looking around like, oh my god, am I gonna have to suck his dick? (laughs) I don't want to suck that guy's dick. No. I don't want to suck that guy's dick. The entire movie. And, like, she's looking at every single guy. Yes, yeah, no, she does not want to be there. All of the dudes there. She just wants nothing to do with their downstairs business. No, absolutely nothing. Um, so I think what actually, what, what set off this thing and why it's called The Man From Earth is that, um, Trek Burnsides, his wife has died and he found out that she was an alien. And I don't know why this was the trigger condition for the fuck party, I'm sure that comes out uh, with audio and whatnot, um, but something something happens, and s- either that, either that, it's either that, or they have, in order to avoid, none of them wants to have a fuck party, but they have to, because they made a pact as teenagers, in order to avoid having this fuck party, which they do successfully do, um, spoilers, uh, they have to figure out which one of them is not an alien. They're all aliens. Plot twist. Ah. They have to figure out which one is from Earth, and if they do that... See, that's why That's why Detective Guy is making notes in, I guess it's a Bible? See, for me, the Bible played into the whole I want to convert you all to Christianity angle. I, I can see that. I didn't notice that it was a Bible at first. I thought he just had a notebook he was writing, like, detective notes in. Um, so that's, that's basically what I thought the movie was, is some sort of super contrived fuck party situation. Okay, so can we talk about what key does off to it being a fuck party? Because for me, the biggest key for it being a fuck party was the fact that they had a case of Heineken and a case of Amstel Light. Because you don't buy beers like that unless you're having a fuck party. (laughs) Or you're buying beers for your friends who just moved you into a new place. Or potentially you're buying beers for, like, a funeral. (laughs) Beers for a funeral. That's a good name for an album. I mean, like, if you have to... If you have to sit Shiva for that long, you probably do want at least something to drink. Usually it's wine, but I figure, you know, someone somewhere... 
wants beer while sitting Shiva. I'm sure. Uh, so for me, what clued me in was the fact that they all looked just hideously uncomfortable to be in the room together. And they like kind of took a while to break out the alcohol and they all looked like they were trying to avoid starting something. They were just like having nervous conversation. Like, oh, are we going to, do we have to start this? No, I, let, let's just have a conversation first and then we'll get to the fuck party. Okay, so I've got some, like, really weird quotes that I pulled from lip reading. Okay, okay, do share. Okay, so, like, basically half of my notes here are, like, weird lip reading things. Um, maybe some PCP or MDMA. What's up? Says John Billingsley at one point. (laughs) Um, to which Ralph replies, Maybe we can have ramen with a soft-boiled egg? Oh, yeah. Um... And then at some point throughout the dialogue, it looks like um, our main character, Sideburns McTruckenstein, what did you call him? Uh, Truck Burnsides. Truck Burnsides, or Ralph, says, by the way, it's racist if you only invite one guy who's black. Well, see, that's where the, the mover guy came in. And he was like, oh, y'all are having a fuck party? No, I'm not into that. I do want. I do wonder why did they have to go into the bedroom to use a phone? Like, they have a cell phone. Maybe for like private conversation. Like, hey, uh, pastor, I'm stuck at this fuck party, and I really want to get out of here. <laughs> Can Jesus help me? Also, I thought the okay. Definitely one more thing that clued me into the fuck party situation was uh, they pulled out like a student's paper or something. And the grade on it was a big red D. Uh, I feel like that was some subtext for sure. Uh, Okay. That's some pretty solid subtext. It's solid. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. I think, like, towards the end, this was at a certain point, it gets dark. And, like, they're sitting there in the firelight. And I'm like, okay, it's action time. They're about to fuck. Right, like, right. They have there's to. no and other like, reason why you sit there in by firelight, like all huddled together on some sofas. Oh, that's the other thing. Um, the character with the Bob, who I named Rachel, I did a count of how many times she had her goddamn boots on the sofa. Oh, God. It was like a solid 14 times just in the first scene. So she's a heathen. Yes. I totally, like, I forgot to name her. That shows how important she was to the plot. She doesn't do anything except, like, get weirdly close to Truck Burnsides, even though I think she's in a relationship with the detective, but then they don't leave. I don't... I don't really follow a lot of it either. Um, uh, it was strange, for sure. So I have one scene where I, like, actually transcribed the whole dialogue based on my bad lip reading. Okay. This was Which scene the, was this? This, is, this was after the part where they had, where it had gotten dark and they were by the firelight. Okay. I don't think that guy from Office Space had turned the lights on yet. Okay, yeah, that was jarring. Like... It was. What was the point of that? To, like, snap them out of their fuck trance, I guess. Okay, so he he also doesn't want to participate in the fuck party. No, think, that's why he brought a gun. I think he wanted to shoot them to stop them from having a fuck party. 
I feel like, yeah, he definitely felt like that was his own option, his only option. Also, there was that one point where John Billingsley, like, tries to get them to do charades right after a dude pulls a gun on them. <laughs> and it's like, I guess that's the best way to diffuse your tension after you almost got shot is to do some charades. Yeah, that was, I, John Billingsley or, or Hat Bonerman, um, he spent a lot of time with his hat on his lap, which is why I named him Hat Bonerman, because he was clearly covering up his raging boner for discount Emma Watson. I think he was the only one game for the fuck party. Yeah, yeah, and he kept trying to get people in the mood, for sure. That's why he was all like, ooh, alcohol, ooh, MDMA, maybe we can free-paste some chemicals. <laughs> yeah, he, he was so gung-ho about the fuck party. Yeah, okay, so this scene that I transcribed starts off with so my notes say, okay, is it orgy time yet? And then my notes immediately go into this quote. And there was this one time where he walked on water. You should really hear about God and the disciples and Mary. And then Billingsley replies to that. You're really not here for the orgy, are you? <laughs> and then George says to him, he won't even eat ham. Ralph says, there was this one time I ate ham. Maud says, why did you do it? Antonio looks at him with disgust and says, did you wash it down with Gatorade? Are you disgusting? <laughs> so my bad lip reading is obviously far more entertaining than whatever the hell we watched. I don't know what we watched is the thing. Although ham and Gatorade, that is a salt lick in a can. Yeah. Yeah. Neither of those things come in cans, but salt lick in a can is the cool... Uh, Wait, doesn't ham come in a can if it's like spam i guess is spam is that ham? ham that's a good question if new jersey is allowed to call taylor ham taylor ham then spam is allowed to be called ham it's a very specific now, jersey thing so i apologize for all of the non-jersey listeners and all of the non-jersey podcast hosts <laughs> so let me see if i have any other good quotes here but um Fact is, I didn't use a condom 47 times. <laughs> um, what other... Yeah, I think that's around where I stopped um, lip reading and just let the movie finish because I was very, very sick of it. Oh, one thing I definitely noticed is um, there's a point where um, Truck Burnsides goes outside... Uh, for no discernible reason. And he comes back in and um, Hat Bonerman just like jumps on his back for some reason. And then he like judos him to the floor. Then he like fucking judos him onto the floor. That had to have, if the fuck party was going to start, it had to have been then, right? I, I think so. Also, I like that we both pulled judo there. Yes. <laughs> I, when, when that happened, I wrote in my notes, Ah, uh, I see you know your judo well. <laughs> because I, every time I see someone do that, I think of that one video of the guy getting arrested for doing a dine and dash, where he's like, what am I being, what is the chart, sir? Enjoying a meal? Enjoying a succulent Chinese meal? I don't know if people actually know that video. I've never heard of this. Oh my god, I have to send you that video. It's 
the most buck wild thing I've it's like one of those things that nobody really knows who the dude was but it's like the most iconic arrest video ever because he was apparently like a serial dine and dasher in Australia and oh they God. they arrested him and he like put on this ridiculous accent and like screamed at the cops and stuff like that it was it was weird <laughs> um people are weird yeah Okay, so we both pitched a sex party movie. We did both do that, yeah. Then they all just kind of, like, ride off into the sunset. They just leave, and then one of them dies for no reason. Yeah, Office Space has, like, a heart attack. And I guess that's a sign that they probably shouldn't have had the fuck party. I think that's probably why he was trying to avoid the fuck party, because he knew he had a heart condition. Right, and, like, if your heart is not in good condition, don't participate in fuck parties. Everyone knows that's the first rule of fuck parties. Yeah. PSA for all of our listeners, don't fuck party if you got a bad hearty. <coughs> is, is that a boner joke? No. If your heart's... If your heart... <laughs> you did say hearty. Don't get a heart on if you're can't get your heart on do we need to do psa pitches um i think we need to do psa pitches okay okay so i i've done i've thrown out two here yeah now i'm like on the spot and i need to come up with a psa um if your heart isn't ticking don't take a dickin (laughs) (laughs) the more you know Uh, what else can we come up with? Uh, if your aorta's blocked, don't get cocked. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, surely there's more. Yeah, but, like, I've, I've got, like, one that's really shitty and relies on feminine rhyme and only applies to this situation. Okay, do it. Um, you don't get the cum if you can't load a gun. <clears throat> Which is why Office Space dies before the fuck party. Yeah, because his gun wasn't loaded. But I guess that also technically applies if you've got, like, ED or whatever. Yeah. Um... I'm still thinking about free basic chemicals. <laughs> <laughs> that <coughs> that fucking destroyed me. I was like, <laughs> wait, what? I'm gonna have to try lip reading on the next one because this is amazing and this needs to be a recurring segment. Uh, speaking of recurring segments, do we want to cut to ads? Let's do some ads. Hello and welcome to the mid-roll. Today's sponsors are you undies. You undies. You undies. We'll ship you underwear that someone else already wore. You <laughs> undies gives you the finest in mostly threadbare underwear. Uh, it's well, folks, it's ready. Do you like your boxer briefs to have holes worn for the thighs? <laughs> Try you undies today. You undies. 
somebody else's underwear. (laughs) Our second sponsor is Skeleton Mattresses. If you've ever wanted to, well, let's just say it like it is, bone down on a comfy-ass bed, try Skeleton Mattresses. Skeleton Mattresses. It's the clackiest. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um... While we're still in the mid-roll, I'm going to real quick plug our upcoming actual play tabletop RPG stream, which will be hosted on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Katselesnia. I will be in it. Where we will be playing Cal Lightsaber, a Star Wars story using Edge of the Empire from Fantasy Flight Games. Hello, listeners. I'm Emma, the evil producer. Just popping in to say that Cal Lightsaber, a Star Wars story, has been broadcast. You can check out the VOD from the link in the description and stay tuned for the Cal Lightsaber episode of our sister podcast, Chicks with Dice. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. It truly means the world to us that you've chosen to spend this hour out of your day listening to a couple of gay nerds ramble about fuck parties, women's suffrage, and triple gun fakeouts. Oh my. In all seriousness, though, your continued support is sincerely appreciated. And though this is just the first episode, we hope you stay for this ride with us. This silly, not-at-all-wholesome, bumpy ride. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter for the latest updates about the podcast, and for more ridiculous B-movie theories. Anyway, that's enough from me. Let's get back to the unsound theories. Okay, do we want to do you want to get back to the show and do that part where we talk about what the movie was actually about? Let's get back to the show. What was this goddamn movie actually about? Okay. Um so Professor John Oldman, you weren't too far off with truck burn science on that one actually. <laughs> is preparing to move to a new home. His colleagues show up to give him an impromptu farewell party. Harry, a biologist, Edith, an art history professor, and devout Christian. See, I was right. There was a Christian through line on this. Okay. Dan, an anthropologist. Sandy, a historian who's in love with John. And Art, an archaeologist with his student Linda. Okay, so the reason that discount Emma Watson wasn't down for the fuck party is because she was a student hooking up with her professor. Oh my god. <laughs> that explains so much. It really... Wait... Hold on, this shit gets worse. Okay. As John's colleagues press in to explain the reasons for his departure, he picks up from a reference to Magdalenian cultures by Dan, and slowly, somewhat reluctantly, reveals that he is a prehistoric caveman from that precise period. What? (laughs) He states he's lived for more than 14 millennia. And he relocates every 10 years to help others from realizing that he does not age. He begins his tale under the guise of a possible science fiction story, but then eventually stops speaking in hypotheticals and begins answering questions from a a first-person perspective. His colleagues refuse to believe his story, but accept it as a working hypothesis in order to glean his true intentions. John relates that he was a Sumerian, for 2,000 years later a Babylonian eventually went east and became a disciple of the Buddha. 
He claims to have had a chance to sail with Columbus, admitting at the time he still believed the Earth was flat. Oh my god. And then befriended Van Gogh. <laughs> okay, so apparently the painting at the beginning that he was packing up into his truck was an original Van Gogh. And he just fucking had it on the ground in the dirt? What the <laughs> <Yes>. fuck? <laughs> I literally wrote down a note about how the fact that the, he just had the painting on the ground. Oh my god. This man values nothing. Okay, so I'm looking at this, and it looks like the budget for the movie was... About five dollars. Two hundred thousand dollars. What? $200,000 budget. How? One set, like eight actors. Okay. But that means these people had to have gotten paid like SAG minimum. I mean, for this filming. I get, yeah. Uh, 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 you just have to sit around and have a conversation about a fuck party. Okay, so apparently, oh god. It gets worse. Um, oh, God. In the course of the conversation, each guest questions John's story based on knowledge from their own academic specialty. Harry struggles with how biology could allow for the possibility of a human being to live so long. Art, arguably the most skeptical of the group, questions John about events in prehistory. He explains that John's answers, though correct, could have come from any textbook. John rejoins that, like any human, his memory is imperfect, and he sees events only from his own narrow and hence not omniscient perspective. Um, Dr. Will Gruber, a psychiatry professor who arrives and questions John if he feels guilty over outliving everyone he's ever known and loved, then threatens John with a gun before temporarily leaving. Uh, yeah. Okay, so that's... I don't understand the motivations for the gun, though. Okay, so apparently the reason that Office Spaceman wanted to shoot our Eternal here is that Office Spaceman's wife had died the previous day from a long illness, and I guess he was jealous of his immortality or something. Okay. So he wanted to destroy an Eternal in order to make up for his wife having died. This movie gets... I... What? <sighs> okay. You ready for the... You ready for the real... The realness? Because uh... it turns out that our principal character, Chuck Burnsides, was actually Jesus. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. Oh my god. John reluctantly reveals that in trying to take the Buddhist teachings to the West, to the Eastern Roman Empire, he became the inspiration for the Jesus story. Oh my god. Holy shit. <sighs> Why have they done this to me? And now, in, in okay, so in typical this movie fashion, people start, like, you know, this is, this is when, um... Maud starts crying. Okay. Basically, like... Because she just found out that her best boy, Jeezy, is actually... Her best boy, Jeezy C. <laughs> is just sort of sitting in front of her, trying to get a BJ. Yes. Apparently. Alright. Okay. So, like, I guess I was pretty close on pulling the through line that he was a devout Christian. Just 
actually, he was Jesus. He, I mean, the most devout Christian, I guess. Which I guess like makes my my quote. And there was this one time where he walked on water. You should really hear about God and the disciples and Mary. <laughs> A pretty prescient read. That's amazing. Um, holy shit. <laughs> Okay, so the theme of this movie is fake-outs, because he, quote, confesses to everyone the story was just a prank. Uh, Which is why everyone just up and leaves. Like, I think that's why they turn the lights on. He's like, well, sorry, guys, it was just a prank. I did this for YouTube. It's a social experiment. I'm sorry. It's a social experiment. I lied to you about being God for a social experiment. Okay. Yeah. Is that everything? No, because we got oh another twist here. Oh god, okay. Everyone fucking leaves. Yes. Except for Office Spaceman. Office Spaceman and Bob Lady. Yes. So after everyone but Office Spaceman and Bob Lady leave, Office Spaceman overhears Truck and bob lady's conversation which suggests that the story could after all actually be true is she in on it is she also immortal i guess but so he's so our eternal here starts talking about some pseudonyms he's used over the years an office spaceman is like one of those is my father what so he asks questions that only a very close acquaintance could actually answer holy shit truck answers the questions correctly which spurs the emotional breakdown, which causes the heart attack. Okay. And then... So this movie went places. Yeah, so, like, Jesus had to watch one of his adult sons die. (laughs) Oh, where's that story in the Bible, first of all? I don't know. Okay, there's one other thing that I really do actually want to talk about before we, like, I guess start to wrap things up. Okay. I do want to do one quick segment. Okay, let's do your segment first. Okay, um, so I watched this on Amazon because it was free. Um, and there's a review on here for this movie by someone named Guinness Fan. They give it two stars. And I just want to read this review real quick. Absolutely. Because um, it's amazing. This movie starts with an interesting premise. See Highlander, as well as Paul Anderson's The Boat of a Million Years, and turns it into a one-set play. It actually starts off pretty good, but about halfway through, it gets bogged down as it turns into just another boring Hollywood bash on Christianity. From there, the movie dies a slow, painful death. The characters don't develop. They're like stickers pasted up on a storyboard, never evolving from start to finish. Occasionally, some new convenient information about a character is revealed, but only in the most ham-fisted ex machina way possible. In the end, you're left with a feeling of loss at the story that might have been if the anti-religious angle hadn't come barreling in like a pissed-off hippo into a boat full of tourists. I would recommend it for the interesting storyline, but in the end, it was just too boring. That is the highest rated review on Amazon. 64 people found it helpful. And sorry, how many stars? Two. I, yeah, from having watched this movie, I think two stars is reasonable. Two stars is very, very generous. There are some twists. I, I, I agree with two stars. 
I yeah, two two stars is a solid review. Yeah. Okay, so the one thing I just want to note is like it was at that very moment that Kat realized her mistake and asked Emma to cut out the highly disgusting and embarrassing train of thought. Being the gracious evil producer that she is, Emma obliged and in fact used this opportunity to play some light bouncy music created by the lovely Chris Posty Posterson at Sounds Like an Earful. I might actually tell Emma to cut this part because it's really bad. It's so bad. Oh God, why? Why brain? Shit. Why didn't they do that with special effects? Oh God, could you? Could you imagine that in a horror movie? (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want to imagine it. No, you're right. Ugh. Oh my God. Okay, here's a fun fact about this movie as we get into some movie trivia. Okay. It was premiered in... The first screening was at San Diego Comic-Con, then premiered theatrically in Pittman, New Jersey, which is like a town of... Let's see. um, A town of 9,000 as of the 2010 census. Do you think it's actually autobiographical? And Truck Burnsides was living in New Jersey at the time. Um, and though that's why. That could be a very, very, very solid point. If not for the fact that the guy who wrote the movie, uh, Jerome Bixby, died in 1998. Okay, he supposedly died, but... Yes, uh, his, according to his... Where's the, birth, where's the death certificate? I... You know, it's probably a matter of public record. We can look it up. Yeah, but those sorts of things can be faked. Like, he definitely killed his uh, weird grandson with a heart attack. And since the DNA was close enough and and everything, uh, he faked his own death and moved on to a different name in New Jersey. Oh, God, he apparently... This is how he does it. You know, it's it's possible. I think it's more than possible. I think this is like, the movie is a confession. Oh, apparently he wrote a couple episodes of Star Trek. Were they episodes with immortals in them? (laughs) We'll check. But he did write an episode of, or he wrote the story that was an inspiration for an episode of The Twilight Zone. Okay, that was definitely also autobiographical. I don't even need to know what it's about. Um, wait, is this the one that... Is this the I wish you to the cornfield kid? Oh, shit. Oh, God, my family has been making references to that one episode of The Twilight Zone for, like, the last 30 years. Or at least that's about as far back as I can remember. Um, but, uh, it's godlike mental powers, including mind reading. And immortality. He blocked television signals and... Yep, sent several of his playmates to the cornfield. Okay, so he wrote that episode of The Twilight Zone. Okay, famous Twilight Zone episode. 
he also is the pioneer of the mirror universe in Star Trek. Where everybody's immortal. Um, sure, we'll go with that. In <laughs> um, the mirror universe is where, like, Earth is the bad guys and everything like that. It's weird and it's the worst part of Star Trek, if I'm being honest. Okay, but it's also the only universe where he can die because he's immortal in our universe. But in the mirror universe, everyone except him is immortal. Uh, you know, I haven't considered that. Exactly. That's why Earth is the bad guys, because it's a bunch of shithead immortals who keep trying to play weird social experiment pranks and fuck their friends. <laughs> social experiments. Gone sexual. <laughs> oh god, he's he's actually written a lot though. Like I mean, yeah, he's had a goddamn long time to do it. <laughs> That's right. He wrote all of the books of the New Testament. Ex yeah. A couple of episodes of Star Trek. He was probably one of the popes at some point. How, how do you get away with that, though? Because, like, if you're the pope, you're, like, constantly monitored. Yeah, yeah. But you also have power, you know? And power can fix a lot of things. And obviously, if he has, like, psychic put people in corn powers, then he definitely can do some, like, minor miracles. That's true. I think he could pull off a pope, a popehood. Do you think he could, like, disappear himself and replace himself with, like... What if he has... Specifically, he has children... That he uses as an excuse to fake his own death when they get old enough. Yeah, I think that's his M.O. Like, is he uses his grandchildren to... He uses his descendants to fake his death over and over and over again. It's... The family tree is... Wild. It's broad, but not very tall. <laughs> It's, yeah, I honestly feel sorry for anyone in his family digging into their ancestry uh, because they're going to be very confused. Well, it... Do you think he has a fetish for fucking his own ancestors? Oh, God, no. Oh, no. Probably. Uh, yeah, like, absolutely. Okay, wait, are we talking about the character from the movie or Jerome Bixby, the actual person? I don't wanna I don't wanna slander Jerome Bixby. I'm sure he's a fine guy, but Truck Burnsides definitely fucks his own descendants whenever possible. Okay, I will I'll, That I'll family tree that. wraps in on itself. Um my theory is that like someone finds out that they're related to an eternal when they go and do like a 23 and me. And the 23andMe comes back and says, well, um, about 50% of your DNA is mixed Indo-European ancestry. And the rest of it says you're just straight up an ancient Sumerian. <laughs> yes. We don't know how this is possible. Yeah. That's how he gets found out. And that's why he had to fake his death. He has to fake his death. Yeah. Anytime someone, anytime one of his descendants takes a DNA test, he has to fake his death. <sighs> okay. What other historical parts, uh, events were his fault? Um, 
The Great Chicago Fire. Definitely. The Great Toronto Fire. That was... That was every fire. The Great London Fire. Every Great Fire. The Seattle Fire. Let's see. There was one in Seattle that burned down the whole goddamn town. Um, I think there was one in San Francisco. This guy gets around, first of all. Definitely... Definitely the Great Fire of New York. Yeah, he's really bad at, like, containing the collateral damage from faking his own death. Um, he was actually the one who lit Rome on fire. Yes. I I mean, that's how he got out of being Pope. Right. Except that there wasn't a Pope at the time. Listen, (laughs) it's time travel. This would have been, what, 64 AD? Okay, so no Pope. Um... I'm not good at history, okay? Time is <laughs> he was, time is weird enough already. <laughs> That's fair. He was definitely single-handedly responsible for the New York City blackout. Yes. Um What else did he do? I don't want to accuse him of anything like actually heinous. <laughs> no, I don't think he's a bad guy. Just forgetful with where he leaves his cigarettes. Well, here's the thing, is he tries, because the way he fakes his death is he finds a descendant, um, and he forces them to have a heart attack somehow, um, and then he sets the place on fire so that the corpse is all burned and, you know, mostly unidentifiable, except for things that probably share some, you know, traits with him, right? Um, unfortunately, he's bad at, like, picking a place that's not gonna also burn down a whole city. So he fakes his death in inconvenient places and burns down entire cities. Yeah, and he has not learned. That checks out. I guess with modern firefighting techniques, there's less liability for cities to burn down, so he doesn't have to change his technique. Right. Exactly. And and he, he values nothing. We've established this already. He values nothing except fucking. Right. Right. You live for hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. So like whole city burns down. It's like whatever. It happens. Right. You become a nihilist when you've lived for that long. Like nothing matters because everyone you've ever loved dies over and over and over and over and over. Exactly. Coincidentally, often after you've fucked them into having a heart attack. Yes. Very true. (laughs) Oh, Actually, that reminds me of um, uh, what we do in the shadows and how, like, Taika Waititi's character falls in love with that lady. She moves to New Zealand. He also moves to New Zealand, eventually finds her when she's, like, ancient. Yeah. And turns her into a vampire so that they can fuck forever. (laughs) (laughs) That. (sighs) Wait, did we just, did we just, no. There's plenty of instances where Jesus was out in the sunlight. Never mind, we didn't stumble on a new through line of Jesus being a vampire. <laughs> yeah. He was also around a lot of... Holy symbols. I mean, there's one very prominent cross. <laughs> yeah. But what if Jesus Ugh. was the first vampire? He didn't become a vampire until after he died, and that's why vampires are not keen on crosses. Oh... Because it reminds them of when the first vampire was turned and they're afraid of it. That's when he came closest to actually dying. Right. And that's what. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is this is a theory. We should we should we should pan this out as we go through the podcast, because clearly as we approach Christmas, we're going to have more Jesus topics to discuss. Well, 
The movie that I have planned for us, maybe not. Okay, well, we have to see what our evil producer, Emma, has in store for us. Because I think she gets to pick the next movie. (sighs) Well, I mean, we have a few more before we do a Christmas episode. Okay, we're we're safe for now. Safe for now from dogs. Speaking of which, uh, we've been at this for... What, about an hour now? Almost an hour, yeah. I I think it's probably time to wrap up. I was gonna say, I should probably let my cat out of the bathroom. Oh yeah, the shame zone, for sure. Yes. Alright, you wanna take us out? Let's take us out. Um, Thanks uh, for listening, everyone. We sure didn't. Unsound Theories is a production of So Says Media. You can follow us on Twitter at Unsound Theories, as well as at So Says Media. We also have a YouTube channel. Subscribe to us on YouTube for more queer comedy. You can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash sosasmedia. All music on this episode was created by Sounds Like an Earful. You can check them out at soundslikeanearful.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>